Hello friends, how are you doing? I hope that you're okay. I know the last few weeks might have been a little bit chaotic, just based on the stars. Today, let's relax with some lovely Tumblr stories memes that do a good job of putting into words what it feels like to be autistic slash neurodivergent. Again, if you would like access to these posts that I'm going to be reading, let me know at neurospicypodpal at gmail.com and I will make a Pinterest account where you can access them. All right. Let's dive in and have a good, silly, validating time. (laughs) The title is Weather Autistics. Are you a sunny autistic? Visual stims? Likes things loud and bright? A million special interests? A rainy autistic? Audio stims? Likes dim lights and quiet sounds? Fixates? Or a snowy artistic, pressure stems, loves glitter and soft things, daydreams. I am 100% a snowy artistic, and I just think that's adorable. Oh, that reminds me of another one I saw. Oh, I need to read that right now. Okay, so this this is uh, a Tumblr post. Someone says, hanging out means not talking to each other in the same room. Another person says, This is part of why people want the autistic symbol to be cats instead of the puzzle piece, if you didn't know already. Because that's a mood for most of us, lol. (laughs) Like, so many parallels. And then the first person replies, I did not know. Tell me more. Okay, so here's the gist of it from what I can remember off the top of my head. And other folks, feel free to contribute. Cats are like us because they experience sensory overload, not sure about underload, communicate in ways that folks who only know about dogs usually don't understand and think is them being assholes, have really subtle body language, really do think existing in the same room with you both doing your own thing is hanging out, get misunderstood, and have a bad rap, even though they're just trying to exist. Probably a hell of a lot more, but it's also one almost 1am and I need to sleep. People, add more stuff, make a list than people do, which is cool. Underload equals when they go sprint around the house and claw things because there's not enough to do, maybe? Which I totally agree with, Carrie speaking here. When, when like, um, animals get the zoomies, that is sometimes a, a sign of underload. Like, they want more, like, physical, mental, sensory stimulation. Like, I feel like I get the zoomies sometimes. And, like, that's when I am experiencing sensory underload, where I need more stimulation, right? Okay, continuing on with the Tumblr post. Someone says, so they're adding to the list of, like, how autistics are like cats. Sometimes disliking eye contact, but also sometimes looking upon you fondly with a calm, slow blink. Sometimes making happy sounds, just because happy. Like having a stable routine and become distressed if you don't follow it correctly. And that's the end of the post. But like, I just thought that was so adorable because it's funny. I am not a cat person. Like I have never like been super attracted to cats. I have always had dogs and have been very, very happy with my dogs. Yet 
I have always acted a lot more like a cat than a dog. You you know how people are like, oh, like you're a dog person. or, or Not like you're a dog person, but like if you were a pet, right? This is what you would be. And like, <laughs> my boyfriend is absolutely a dog. Like just good boy energy all, all the way. Uh, but I am like a cat and I'm a funny cat, but I'm a cat. I need my own time and I'm just just being here and all like all of the things on this I related to. So I think that's really fun because like I always wondered like, why do I act like a cat? Like I literally meow all the time and I don't, I don't have a cat. I'm not, I'm not one of those kitty girls who has like kitty stickers all over and is like kind of a furry, but also not, you know, like I'm... <laughs> I'm not obsessed with cats, but I act like one, and I feel like it's because of the tism. Okay, next thing. This one is a little more just thoughtful. So, Notable Noodle, which is a great username, said, Saying that autism is a disability does not cancel out anything that you love about being autistic. Autism is a disability, and sometimes stims are harmful. And a lot of my stims are really fun and enjoyable. Autism is a disability, and my poor social skills make life really hard. And I don't know who I'd be without that added social quirkiness. Autism is a disability, and executive function can make studying really hard. And I love how passionate I can be about a topic that I actually care about. These things can and do coexist. Snaps. (laughs) And then someone else replied, This! It's a disability and makes my life harder. It's also part of my identity, and I can't imagine myself without it. That's okay. Snaps, snaps, snaps. So apparently there's this Twitter account called OMG, I'm Autistic AF. And one of its tweets was, I can look at people while they talk to me, but I usually have to look away while I do the talking. Otherwise, I get distracted by their micro-reactions that I can't not analyze, start to feel self-conscious, and start tripping over my words. Which I so relate to. Like, oh man, eye contact has been such a struggle for me. Like, I was always told as a kid that I stared way too much. And then, of course, I was like, well, well then, if... if well, but you told me that I need to make eye contact with people when I'm talking to them. And, and like, the people want to feel like you're listening to them because if I don't look at you, then you're like, are you listening to me? But then if I do look at you, you're like, why are you staring at me? You're weird. And it's just, it's a hard thing to figure out. I, I still don't quite know what I'm doing, but I, I think I, I can do it anyway. Next one. This is, oh my gosh, so important. So, Tumblr, username. If you can hear my flapping, I'm, I'm flapping my hands. Sometimes people don't understand that we are hated for being autistic. But I don't hate autistic people. In quotes. That's right, because you don't know how autistic people are. You know, people never bullied me for being autistic. Because neither me nor they had the terminology. Nah, they punished me for being weird. And what made me weird to their eyes? I spoke weird and often stumbled and I spoke like a grown-up anyway and I wouldn't shut up about ancient Greece. (laughs) I moved weird too because I was, am, really clumsy and I didn't have any friends. 
I was boring and didn't catch jokes, made at my expense, and I didn't look them in the eye. And so on and on. If you asked any of the people who bullied me for years whether they hate autistic people, they'd say no, because they don't hate autistic people, but oh boy, do they hate weird people. Perhaps they don't hate autistic people, but surely they hated me for being obviously autistic. Again, snaps. A similar post that I want to read. Someone says, I know that, quote, don't harass people for being weird. They might be autistic, unquote, is a fairly popular take on here, meaning Tumblr, I think. But as a certified autist, I'd like to add that harassing allistic people and or neurotypical people for being weird is also bad and should not be done. And before you come in with, yeah, you never know who is and isn't autistic, and you shouldn't force people to add themselves, I want to say two things. One, I agree. And two, even if you could magically avoid ever harassing a single autistic person, it still wouldn't be okay to go after neurotypicals for being weird. They're people, Janice. They're allowed to be really invested in Naruto. And then someone else says, stop playing the game of who is it okay for me to hurt? The answer is no one. The answer is always going to be no one. None people is the correct number of people to hurt. This is so on point. So yeah, I just kind of want to address that. Like there is a mental health revolution going on in Western society as it very much needs to be happening because we are in a mental health crisis. Woohoo! And one of the ways that this is happening is the expanded conversation around neurodivergence. With that, I want to make it clear that it's not okay to bully anyone. <laughs> and I think that's something that can be forgotten, honestly, because as trauma survivors, we use humor to cope a lot. And when you find people who have been hurt just like you for the same reasons, it can be easy to kind of gang up and be like, oh yeah, like straight people are the worst or neurotypical people are the worst. And that doesn't do anyone good. It only alienates the people who you truly want to be supporting you. We can't undo what was done to us by doing it to other people. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's, let's read a little more uh, fun one. So, Average Monster, which I love. I just, I'm only reading the usernames that I find funny. Um, <laughs> Average Monster says, I see a lot of talk about how neurodivergence evolved and stayed in the gene pool because it was somehow useful to our ancient ancestors. While I don't necessarily disagree with this theory, I would like to propose an alternative, a theory that we already have physical evidence for. Humans just love each other and care for each other. Don't you think that a species that cared for its people while they recovered from broken bones or nursed their elderly well beyond their usefulness would leave a member out because they didn't make eye contact or couldn't stay focused on a particular task? or whatever other trait you associate with neurodivergence? I really don't. Sure, maybe it was useful to have someone around who didn't mind making arrowheads all day, 
or who knew absolutely everything about all the local flora and fauna, or who keyed in on every little distraction. At the end of the day, though, these people weren't kept around because they were useful. They were cared for because they were loved. This, 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 this. I think this conversation around like, oh yeah, neurodivergent people exist because we're useful. Like we were useful as hunter-gatherers and blah, blah, blah. Like it's not the most healthy. I think it's feeding into the idea that we need to be productive in order to be worthwhile. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna just leave that there for you to process. Now, this is one that I just saw today and found interesting. It's called scene play and autism. Not often spoken about is scene playing in children with autism. What is scene playing? And this is by a Tumblr account called Autistic AF. Scene playing is setting up an elaborate story for your toys, putting them into position, and leaving them. The setup of the scene is the play not the self-inserted interaction of typical imagination play. Movement of toys from others or removal of toys by others can be very upsetting to the child as the scene is disrupted. The child may leave the scene overnight or all day or until told to clean up. Children who scene play still can imagination play, but it's often through another child leading them. Self-imagination play is often, but not always, limited. Scenes can range from basic to elaborate as their inner world is vast and something developed from a young age. The Pinterest is blocking out one word, but you get the gist. Um, I found that to be fascinating because, it, I mean, I relate to it. I, I set up a, a whole imaginary world for my stuffed animals as a kid, like, like a kingdom. Uh, it was called Raspberry Rain, and I assigned a, like, character kind of to each um, stuffed animal. Not a character, though, more like a role. Like, like I was like, oh, teddy bear, you are the guard. You know, I am the queen and you guard me. And like, oh, you are the baker and you are a lady-in-waiting, right? But then I had a hard time, like, actually making up stories for what, my stuffed animals were doing in the kingdom. I just had a really fun time imagining what my kingdom looked like and imagining the the general scene of the story, but not actually what happened. It's, it's, it's like imagining the setting and not really going into the plot. And then same thing would happen with my friends a lot of the time. Like they would come over... Uh, they would come over to swim because they grew up at the pool and uh, we would spend so much time talking about what we looked like as mermaids, you know, the, the exact jewels on our tiaras and the all of the different shades in our tails. And then we actually didn't like really like do a whole lot with with like the storyline. It was just like, yeah, we're beautiful mermaids. Peace, you know? <laughs> And even when now when I'm playing with my little nieces, uh, I, I struggle to, to like, initiate um, imaginative play. You know, 
that my, my little five-year-old niece will be like, yeah, come play with me. And, and it takes a lot of effort for me to figure out a storyline to start. But if she starts a storyline, I can go along with it. I just coming up with imaginative storylines is hard. Uh, I would honestly rather just make things beautiful and just kind of vaguely imagine people being happy in my dollhouse rather than creating a soap opera for my dolls. So that's a fun thing to learn, or rather to have a name for. Oh, here's a good one. It's just a tweet. Everyone feels like they're cosplaying as a person. No, ma'am, you have the autism. (laughs) I can't tell you how many things that my best friend, who is also autistic, and I have talked about, and we've been like, oh yeah, like everyone feels that way, right? Like you feel that way? I feel that way. Yeah, 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 cool. And then... I go and talk to my other friends, um, and, and actually, no, I don't have any friends who are neurotypical right now. <laughs> okay, I go talk to my mom. My mom is neurotypical, and she's like, no, 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 that's that's not something everyone experiences, and I'm like, what? And then, like, I, I will go research it, and, and then that's right, like, it's not, it's not a thing, and then I'm like, oh, it's related to the tism or the ADHD. Oh man, it's it's a lot of fun. Tumblr post next. Uh, neurodivergent child asks a lot of questions because something doesn't make sense to them. Parent, why are you arguing with me? And then another person just says, oh, <laughs> And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is another reason why um, I don't seem as autistic to my family as some other people we know that are autistic. Um, it's, it's because I saw how the other autistic people were treated when they asked lots of questions and they didn't do it in the right tone because... It's hard to modulate your tone as a child when you don't understand pragmatics. We had to use that word that we that we learned from my doctor. Um, when yeah, when you don't understand pragmatics um, and and can't control your tone very well, your questions come off as rebellious, uh, anti-authoritative, right? And then parents get reactive and, and just it, it turns into a whole bad situation. So that's one of the reasons why I just kind of shut down a lot as a kid <laughs> and didn't ask questions. I, I went and tried to, to find things out from the internet and friends and books instead, um, instead of trying to go to adults because adults freaked out when I asked a lot of questions. And I can't necessarily blame them for that. I mean, like, When you don't know that someone has a hard time with pragmatics, you're going to interpret their quote-unquote rude tone as rude, right? So it's just kind of a hard situation all all the way around. That is why, one one of the many reasons why learning more about autism, learning more about neurodivergence in general is going to be so helpful for the upcoming generations. I am so excited to see how Gen Z raises their kids. And and I really appreciate the gentle parenting that 
so many millennial families are doing. And I think it's just, it's just going to get better from here. Okay, this is a tweet from someone who might be a Taylor Swift fan. I'm not sure. Um, either their name is Taylor or, or they're a Taylor Swift fan. The undiagnosed autistic experience of people always thinking you're just a rebel who doesn't care about rules or social norms and that you're trying to be different, when in reality, you're always tried so hard to act like everyone else, but just couldn't. And then someone replies, the problem is the social norms making absolutely no sense. Like, why would I do that? And Taylor replies, exactly. People get upset at us for thinking and behaving logically instead of blindly following nonsense social norms. Even though up until recently, I tried really hard to follow them and just couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. This was a very interesting experience as a child. I remember, like, especially, like, boys in school and stuff would always be like, oh, you know, whenever I did something that wasn't allowed, I guess, or, like, wasn't expected, um, like, I, I so many times would say something in reply to someone and people would, like, act like it was a burn, uh, you know, or, like, would just, like, I don't know, it was just weird. And I was like, I, I'm not... I'm not trying to be rude and I'm not trying to be rebellious here. I just am being logical and, 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 and that's apparently a bad thing. And so then I tried really hard to fit in and do what everyone expected and just to figure out what people expected. And, and now I'm coming full circle and letting go of what is expected and trying to unmask and prioritize what's actually good for me, right? And and it's it's a fine line, right? There are times where we need to follow social norms, but, you know, if I don't want to wear something that makes me uncomfortable, I don't need to, right? It's just, it's not as black and white as I thought as a kid. All right, now here's a Tumblr post by Autistic Reptile. Something people don't talk about enough. Both extremes in autism. Almost every autistic trait has something to do with extremes, and for most of them, autistic people can be on either end of the scale. Sometimes this is for hyper-slash-hyposensitivity reasons, and sometimes it's due to overcompensation. Examples of some typical autistic traits and their equally autistic counterparts. No empathy? How about having such extreme empathy that you cry when your stuffed animals are ignored? No slash wrong facial expressions? How about exaggerated facial expressions because you learned early on you were doing it wrong? Nonverbal? How about being hyperverbal and not knowing when to stop talking? Highly advanced vocabulary? How about when you can't remember common everyday words in conversation? <laughs> can't tell when things are awkward? How about having such an sensitivity to awkwardness that you can barely stand being in the room when an awkward moment happens on TV. Has a meltdown over a small tag on their shirt? How about being so oblivious to physical sensations that you don't know you broke a bone? Ooh, that is... That, is, that hits. And I know I'm saying that for everything, but like, I am autistic. It is amazing how I have tuned out my body 
for my survival, honestly, for, for, for my life. And that's, that's where this started. Okay. A lot of people around me, you know, who've known me for a long time have been curious as to why I have been experiencing, um, basically as a sensory processing disorder and like being so much more sensitive in the last year than I have before then. And it's because I have gotten to a point in my mental health journey where I have been safe enough to reconnect with my body and stop dissociating so severely. And as I have done this and reconnected with my body, tuned into what it feels like, stopped dissociating 24-7, I was hit with an overwhelm of sensory experiences. You know, I, I have been just diagnosed with a sensory processing disorder and I now can look back and remember the times where I did experience sensory overload and because I didn't have any other option and I, I didn't exactly know what was going on, I had to just dissociate to an extreme degree, which caused extreme depression. And even now, um, when I am, you know, highly tuned in to something, when I'm hyper-focused, it is a kind of dissociation where I forget about everything else. Like I forget that I need to drink water. I forget that I need to use the restroom. If something is uncomfortable, like I won't notice, like I'll be bleeding and I, you know, someone else has to tell me uh, because I'm, I'm just too, too dissociated. And, and sometimes that's just because I'm really interested in something, but for most of my life, it's it's actually just been because I couldn't afford to be in tune with my body. I couldn't afford to feel what was going on because it was too overwhelming. All right, last tweet I want to read. Do you struggle with socializing? No. After years of intensive study on things like body language, tone, facial expression, eye contact, and psychology, while also observing and copying my peers, I have created an adaptable script to follow. I am good at socializing. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is how I feel pretty much. But every now and then, I encounter a situation for which I don't have a script. And it is so incredibly helpful to have that language now, like... Uh, recently, a friend of mine wanted me to meet someone in their life and I didn't want to. And I realized it was because I didn't have a script for how to meet uh, this category of person in my friend's life because they they weren't a friend, they weren't a partner, they were something else. And so I was like, I don't, what's the script? How do, what, how do I do this? Right. And then being able to, to tell her like, hey, I feel uncomfortable at the idea of meeting this person, not because I don't care about them and I don't care that they're important to you, but just because I'm not sure how to do it. And so then we were able to create a script from there and it was incredibly helpful to have that language. All right, that's gonna be all for today. I hope you had fun and thanks for listening. As ever, I'm your NeuroSpicy Pod Pal. <laughs>